Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and this is episode 67, which was recorded on Friday the 13th of August 2021. Um, in this week's show, we've got Chris joining us shortly. We've got Maritime History, which is uh, starting off with a question um, from Vancouver, which is great. So Chris will be answering that in just a moment. And of course, we've got the usual cruise news. Just a reminder, if you do want to get in touch with the show, if you want to send a question through, if you have a ship that you are sailing on, there's a lot of people heading out of the UK this weekend, um, then do get in touch. Find the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, in the top right-hand corner, join the show, and that's how you can uh, let us know the, the ship that you're sailing on, or also how you can, of course, send that question through to us, and we do our best to answer them as quickly as possible. We've got a couple of guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, so do look out for those bonus episodes. Um, But in the meantime, let's head straight over. Let's get Chris into the studio and get on with this week's show. Enjoy. It is that time of the show where we always welcome our good friends uh, and regular visitor. It is, of course, Chris Frame, maritime historian and all things cruise news. Chris, welcome back. Good to be back and seeing more and more ships going off to sea. I know. The, as we talk, uh, people are either embarking or have started their first day um, out at sea. We've got Queen Elizabeth out there. We've got Scarlet Lady. We've got Disney Magic that are all resuming for the first time. Of course, all in the UK. But um, yeah, all Scarlet positive. Lady doing her first voyages because, yeah. of course, she never made it into regular service before yeah. the shutdown. Yeah. So we've got we've got some friends on uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth. We've got, uh, of course, Emma on Scarlet Lady. So I'm sure we'll be hearing from those people in uh, the, the coming weeks to find out yeah. how things have gone. But the, the photos look amazing, and it certainly looks like there's lots of excitement taking place around the cruise yeah. industry. I had a bit of a joke with Emma, actually, because she did the media tour of the ship, and um, her YouTube review is quite uh, um, controversial, I suppose, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> from, yeah, a, yeah. from a cruise line point of view. And I was just having a joke with her, saying I'm surprised they're letting her back on. So it's good to see that, <laughs> that she's there having a good time. Good on her. Yeah, yeah. and if people want to see what she's up to, you can follow her on uh, her Facebook on everywhere. Instagram she's pages. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Emma Cruises, you'll find her. It's easy. Yeah. easy. Anyhow, Chris, we've got a, a listener question, which ties in quite nicely. Uh, Claire from Vancouver sent a message in, mm. um, which we have covered in, uh, quite some time ago, probably about six months or so ago. Um, but she's asking, how did the cruise lines handle other long interruptions, such as World War II, other pandemics, etc.? So yep. uh, I thought we'd weave that one back in just to, to remind people, and if we have got some new listeners as well. 
Yeah, so uh, I was thinking about this because you did send uh, send it over b- beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, we have obviously covered on it in terms of like the scale of the original shutdown, but one of the things that I've been um, asked quite a bit recently as well is, you know, with the ships restarting, like in previous global events, was mm-hmm. there this sort of need to try and get everything back up and running again? So perhaps we can look at it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, angle. sure. Um, so, you know, from um, from a historical point of view, there has been other major um, global events that have impacted transportation, of course. But this is the first time that the whole passenger shipping industry, well, I, I should say for us it was the cruise industry, but like large-scale ocean voyages mm-hmm. um, were suspended almost entirely. So, of course, there were still ferries and that sort of thing operating, but even during the wars, uh, you know, there was no option to travel by plane. There was limited um, options to travel by by rail, particularly in parts of the world that were um, involved in the conflict. And so for long duration voyages between countries or continents, uh, ocean travel was still the way that it was, was handled. And of course, there was a significant reduction in the number of people traveling for non-military purposes, but there were still um, voyages being undertaken with passengers on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the passenger ships themselves, they were uh, requisitioned in many cases for use as, as in military purposes, but they were also requisitioned by the governments for use um, for passenger services as well. So the British government, for example, might requisition a, a ship um, to undertake trooping duties and it would then sail, say, for example, with to Australia to collect or to drop off troops or to collect troops, bring people home. Yep. Um, and then it would be released in Australia and the Australian government then might requisition the ship and it would be um, required to do a passenger voyage um, to take people to the UK who needed to get back there for, you know, right. other purposes, you know, um, relocation, business, uh, military planning, that sort of thing. But it wasn't doing it so, sort of from a military point of view. So, the, so the, the upshot of it is that the ships remained, you know, active and in service. And even those mm. that were requisitioned were still operating, you know, for the for the government and by the cruise, by the shipping line with their crew on board and that sort of thing to keep them operational. Yeah. So we didn't see them sort of laid up at the same sort of scale around the world. They were laid up. Um, quite often between missions and stuff like that, but not not for sort of 17, 18 months, just sort of being idle. Yeah. Um, in pandemics, again, it comes down to the the fact that, um, you know, ships were the only way to travel during many past pandemics. So if you think about the, the you know, the big influenza pandemic in the beginning of the 20th century, um, and there were several cholera pandemics in the late mid to late 18th, uh, 19th rather, sorry, century. Um, and you still had to get people around the world. Um, and countries such as the United States were, were involved in these mass immigration um, programs mm-hmm. to try and mm-hmm. build sort of um, build that, that nation's population. And so you would actually still have ships, even during the pandemic time, traveling with passengers across, you know, large expanses of ocean across the Atlantic from you know, Europe and, yep. and America onwards to other parts of the world as well. And so they actually would set up on board the ships quarantine facilities for people who presented with any of the uh, signs of the illness. And then 
once the ship would arrive, say, well, let's use New York as an example because it's quite an easy one to visualize, mm-hmm. um, the ship would go into um, New York Harbor and it would disembark um, pat the first and second class passengers and everyone who was well, mm-hmm. and then it would um, move over to near Ellis Island, which is where the immigration center was, and there mm-hmm. was huge quarantine stations set up there where people who were unwell were treated and would have to stay on the island until they were cleared of any illness before they could go go ashore. Yep. So, you know, quite a different, it's, it's sort of slightly similar to the fact that we have screenings and stuff at airports, but you, you couldn't go and isolate in hotels, that sort of thing. It was done in these yeah, quarantine yep. centers. Yeah. So, yeah, again, back to Claire's question, the ships themselves stayed in, stayed in operation and um, it, it was this time around handled um, quite quite differently because I think in the past, ocean liners and passenger ships were used not only to pa- transport passengers but also cargo and mails. And so the whole communication transportation system was reliant on them. This time, re- excuse me, this time around, um, it was, uh, you know, cruising is a pleasure activity and it's a tourist activity. And for the most part, people aren't traveling on passenger ships to to relocate or to get from point A to point B. And also the passenger ships are carrying um, a very um, insignificant amount of of cargoes and and mails if if they are at all. Um, And there's some exceptions, of course, like we spoke about Hertogruten and how they still connect in communities and why they resumed cruising um, relatively relatively early on and that sort of thing. Um, But for the most part, that's, I think, the reason why it's been done differently this time. And when it comes to the restart in the past, um, there was a huge amount of work that was needed to turn the ships back into passenger ships after they'd been used as trip carriers or for military purposes. Yeah. But the actual ships themselves had pretty much been active throughout and in some cases used more significantly than they had been as passenger ships. I mean, I know one of the things that was said about Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, um, the two great liners that operated during World War II, is that by the end of their 30-year service career, they were very tired. And one of the reasons, mechanically, one of the reasons why is they were pushed so hard during the war. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that answers the question a little bit yeah. differently from the last time. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And it's a, it's a great question as well from Claire. And just a reminder to the listeners, if you have got a question, send it through to us via the website, um, thebigcruisepodcast.com. And in the top right-hand corner is join the show. And that's where you can send a question to Chris and also where you can let us know if you're cruising and you want to uh, do a cruise review with us, which uh, we've got a few in the pipeline, which is mm. always great news. <laughs> Now, uh, speaking of news, Chris, there's uh, quite a bit of news to get through. So we'll, we'll start off. We've already mentioned that, of course, three ships have either resumed or started so cruising for the first time back in the UK. Um, yep. But we do have um, news of a cancelled deployment down here in Australia first up. Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting time, Baz, because, you know, we're seeing in some parts of the world, such as the UK, things are starting to sort of look a lot more like 20, you know, 19 and maybe yeah, yeah. 2020. <laughs> You know, things opening up, cruise ships setting sail, airlines starting to put planes back on, that sort of thing. And other parts of the world, like Australia, it's actually seems like it's getting um, going backwards a little bit <laughs> in some cases. And that's obviously for our international listeners, it's because there's a significant uh, Delta strain outbreak in New South Wales, which has um, sadly crossed state borders and is causing a lot of problems for the east coast of Australia at the moment. Um, and I think this is what's driving quite a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen in the next sort of six six months, six to six to twelve months, I suppose, of um, uh, the you know in Australia and tourism. So trade winds um, they've they've cancelled 
the 2021-22 Australian summer season. And that was aboard the Golden Horizon, which is one of their tour ships. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's not the only cruise line that's done this. Many others have pulled out of the 2021-22 season. I mean, you know, names like Cunard, for example, with Queen Elizabeth that was supposed to be here. They've, they've cancelled it. Um, other, other cruise lines have sort of redeployed it as a domestic only market, which we spoke about last week with, I yeah. think it was Royal Caribbean. Royal, Royal Caribbean, yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and so what they're going to do is they're going to um, basically push that entire itinerary out to 2022-23. And anybody who was on board has the opportunity to, to rebook the same cabin at the same price. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it will be very popular. It was very popular, actually. So I'm sure most of those people will move up because she's a very unique ship. She's the largest tall ship in the world, and uh, she was coming down here and doing some incredible itineraries, which was basically a circumnavigation broken up into various different sectors. So um, mm. I'm sure those those guests will definitely move over to that. Now, a little bit of news up next from Carnival, which is actually kind of kind of gone below the radar. I only found this trawling through some various different websites, and um, as we know, Carnival um, have launched the the latest ship, um, but. They're continuing with the drive-up program, and Carnival Dream and Carnival Glory have uh, taken their new hull design, that new artwork. Yeah, so the, the whole um, artwork was introduced in the artist renditions of Mardi Gras, which is mm-hmm. their new flagship. Um, and I guess from the Carnival perspective, it was a, it was a huge departure because the company's never had hull, hull, any sort of decoration on the hull other than the red stripe down the side. Yep. And, of course, the Carnival logo towards the, towards the aft end of the ship. Um, initially, they used to have that logo also po- painted quite quite boldly on the forward superstructure, but they removed that some years ago. Um, so, yeah, so Mardi Gras has ha- introduced, well, the artist renditions introduced this this blue bow that had sort of a wave effect at the front that kind of comes down to, towards the waterline about um, one quarter of the way down the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, first introduced aboard Magic because she, um, I believe was operational again after her yeah, that's right. before Mardi Gras was yeah, officially yeah. handed over. But of course you could see it on Mardi Gras as she was being, as she was being given her sea trials and stuff. So those two ships there have been wearing it for a while now, but others in the fleet are going to get this. I think the whole fleet is going to be repainted over time, yep. um, which makes it makes sense. It doesn't make much sense to have different sort of um, branding on different ships. So it makes sense. That they're all going to get, treated to this lovely new design and it does add a little bit of um, depth to the appearance of the ship which i think is nice um so yeah the next ones in, in line is is um is dream valor and glory and dream uh, particularly if you uh, if you look at the carnival website there's um some some photographs on their new section of her in marseille where, where she's having this um this hull art applied and she looks you know very very smart in her new livery yeah, it's interesting because I always refer to kind of the premium category of cruising, and sorry, the the mainstream category of cruising as the big white ships, and more <laughs> and more so, these big white ships are no longer white because they're all getting yeah. various different treatments to various artworks or different yeah. color schemes and things. So uh, yeah, all my photos are out of date now because uh, <laughs> yeah. Princess has got this the, the logo on the on their bow, of course. Um, NCLs had hull art feet, yeah, for, for as long as time. I can remember. Um, and of course, Car- Carnival now updating theirs. So mm. yeah, and, and P and O with their Australia has the sort of Australian flag yeah. motif, and the, um, the UK brand has the Union flag, and they've changed their beautiful buff funnels to the blue. So everything's yeah. changed aboard the ships over the last <laughs> five years. Now let's move on to river cruising just briefly. We've got some news in from Aero. So we have talked about the launch of their new Emotion ship. Yes. Um, or the 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 concept that was being developed. Um. Mm. 
<clears throat> but they've now launched the or announced the name of this ship, which will be Erosa Sina. Mm. Um, and it's um, a word that is inspired from the Arabic language and means beauty. Mm. Um, so she's under construction in Rotterdam and is um, sort of a hybrid, I suppose. Think of her like as the, um, the Prius, I guess, of, of cruise ships. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good um, way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the diesel engine that then powers a um, uh, the ship as well as um, some of that electricity that's generated will be then used to, to charge batteries. And then as the ship approaches um, its sort of destinations, when it's about to come into port, um, they can they can utilize the battery power and, and deactivate the, the diesel generator so that the emissions aren't there when they're coming into city centers and that sort of thing, which I think is really good. She'll be the largest ship in the fleet now. Of course, not the largest ship that Arosa's ever had because for a brief period they had an ocean cruise ship. That's right. The Arosa Blue, which was better known as Pacific Jewel, which sadly is being broken up in India at the moment. Um, but this particular ship, um, the new one, she is obviously a river cruise ship. She's about 135 meters long and, um, you know, it was designed really to, to increase sort of capacity on board and um, sort of bring that cruising experience more in line with the family and, um, uh, you know, sort of designed with multi-generational cruising in mind. So you can have multiple people of different ages and still have enough things to do for everybody on board the ship. Yeah, no, I think um, I think she is possibly the first riverboat, certainly the one that I know, that can accommodate five in the cabins. They've got some family cabins, they've got mm. family lounge space, they've got a kids' pool. So yes, the kids' pool. Yeah, yeah. Erosa's always been very popular with the the younger traveller, but it, they're really taking it to the next level, which is uh, great it's news good. for all. Yeah, um, staying in River Cruise news, uh, Crystal, which is the the ultra luxury end of the market, they've yes. announced the uh, twenty two uh, season is now available uh, for booking. Yeah, so they've done this. Um, sort of online digital guide um so you can go into their website and, and look at it digitally or you could even order it um and they'll they'll send it to you i think as well for people who prefer the old Paper school copy. way yep. of doing things <laughs> <laughs> um it's 184 pages of of different trips which is pretty cool and of course this includes their uh all balcony rhine class ships as well um and you know, there's a variety of different places that, they, that they're going to be going 2022. They've got uh, voyages from Vienna. Um, they've got trips on the Rhine. Uh, and they've also got some, like, themed trips as well. So they've got a romantic cruise and splendor, um, sort of splendors of the, of the Rhine, for example, which takes in those, those various different sort of sites that people would want to see on those voyages. So they kind of combine those together to make it into of a special five night trip so there's all sorts of different things to, to explore on the on the digital guide it's it, i'm sure you can link to it in the um yeah, in the show sure. notes so people can have a look at it but um you know i guess it, it in some ways de- definitely shows the the resurgence of of river cruising which is something we've spoken about before but kind of has led ocean cruising back into the restart yes it has and speaking of ocean restart we have touched on it already but of course Queen Elizabeth, your beloved Cunard, has um, <laughs> has restarted yesterday. We have got her officially in the show notes and officially in the cruise news. Yes, she has. So she set sail. Um, that was actually the the topic of this week's video as well, just um, for me, because <laughs> obviously um, Queen Elizabeth was was in our part of the world when the cruise port started. I'd only just been on board when 
when they cancelled voyages and you know got a, a great um, love for Cunard as everyone's probably aware <laughs> by now um, but yes she has resumed her her role Cunard is now back at sea after uh, just over 17 months um, which as I as we mentioned with talking to Claire before um, with her question it, it is the longest period of inactivity in that brand's 181 year history and it will be the same for, for P&O it'll be the same for um, Holland America, you know, they've never been inactive for such a long period of time. And yeah, so she'll be doing um, UK voyages out of Southampton. And then in October, they're going to start taking in some international destinations um, as well, for Amsterdam and the Canary Islands as well. So hmm. good luck to everybody on board. I hope everyone has a, has a safe and wonderful trip. And, and I can't wait to see um, photos and videos from on the ship makes me feel yeah. very jealous of course but we will get <laughs> there barry we will we will we will and i do love that picture that cunard put out uh, releases part of the uh, the press release with the uh, the deck crew kind of you know just touching her up and making sure she was spick and span yes. and yes. Um, it was done in a very cunard way and we've got a picture of that on the website if anybody wants to take a quick look at that yep it was good and um, Norwegian have been another cruise line that have also uh, restarted. They were back in Alaska big style and also were able to uh, visit for the first time to their new port facilities that they've uh, invested in. Yes. So, I mean, NCL, of course, um, tra- traveling out of, um, out of Seattle, as, <laughs> as we've, um, we've covered it before. Uh, should be sponsored popular. by the, uh, the city of Seattle, I think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> when the borders open up, we should take a take the podcast up there, Baz. And, uh, <laughs> um, so yes, of course, uh, the Norwegian Encore departing Seattle on the seventh of August. She's um, up in Alaska, uh, enjoying the enjoying the sights up there, um, and will make um, their first call at um, Icy Strait Point, which is a, a location within Alaska as well. So that will be very exciting for, for them. Um, and they also, on the 10th of August, so just a couple of days ago when we recorded this, there was a, a ribbon-cutting ceremony which opened up the Wilderness Landing Pier. Um, and it's a, a system of gondolas um, which have been completed in combination between NCL and the um, Hana Totem group. So it's, um, you know, another opportunity for people to experience something different in the Alaskan sort of setting. Yeah. And it's, you know, you've mentioned before in the podcast that it is the, um, one of the most sort of special conservation areas in the world. Um, this particular location has something like 23,000 acres of beaches and a temperate rainforest. So pretty exciting for people to be able to get up there and, and have a look at this wonderful part of the world. Um, and enjoy it on board uh, the Norwegian cruise lines. Yeah, and this particular part that they've uh, invested in, uh, there's no road or car access, so you mm. really are at the one with nature when you're, you're up there and only accessible by a, a Norwegian or a Norwegian family ship. So, of course, I guess Oceania and possibly Regent will also visit at uh, some point in the not-too-distant future. And staying with um, uh, the, the Norwegian family, Oceania, we uh, had some information about their, their new cabins on the new ship. They're now dripping us information on the, uh, the cuisine that's going to be available on board. Yes. And there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, there is. Too much to talk through, but um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of the highlights. Um, this is, of course, on board uh, Vista, which is going to enter service in 2023. Vista's a popular name with, um, with cruise yeah. ships, uh, cruise lines. But um, she will um, have 12 dining facilities on board um the you know the most traditional one of course is the grand dining room which is their um 
their main sort of um, lux- luxury dining venue that is sort of the one you would picture, I guess, if you were thinking yeah. about what a luxury cruise ship dining room would look like. But they've got all sorts of other sort of breakout dining opportunities as well. Um, there's a, um, a sort of a, a dining kitchen concept, which is all focused on um, wellness. So you yeah. can get things like um, cold pressed juices, uh, superfood smoothies, um, gr- homemade granolas, avocado toast, that sort of thing. So millennials will love that. It sounds like <laughs> with the avocados, <laughs> um, the pool grill, which is of course a dining facility for people who are near the swimming pools. There's, um, a Tuscan cuisine inspired dining area for sort of Italian, um, food and, and sort of decorated in things like, um, hand blown Venetian glass and that sort of thing. So it's all themed up. Yep. Um, and even a um, Asian-inspired dining area called Red Ginger, which has got um, some um, trained chefs who can create sort of Asian dishes for people who like the Thai or want to try Thai, Korean, and Japanese cuisine, as well as Malaysian. Yeah. So that's just a few of them, but there's heaps of others. There's the Waves Grill, which is a, um American-style eatery. Um, and there's even – I mean, the ship itself has um, – baristas on board which is of course more and more common these days but it's it's good and important i think because good quality coffee is something that was in the past the distant past now uh, quite difficult to get your hands on on board um on board a cruise but now there's more and more ships that have have the proper trained baristas on board um and here they've actually got um a a, a sort of complementary um espressos and cappuccinos and lattes which is nice because many ships obviously the specialty coffee is an additional price so Mm. no there is lots as i say they're they're going to be in the show notes as well because there is literally a whole list and a description for every single one of those available to us so if you if you're interested in oceania and the new ship of the dining concepts available head over to the website thebigcruisepodcast.com um now you touched on your video chris um anything else happening on uh, social media are we teasing no, you for next week maybe uh nope no no nope. just at the moment we're we've just yesterday when we recorded this um uh have uploaded the or on the day that queen elizabeth set sail the 13th we uploaded the the queen elizabeth um video so that sort of looks at um what's happening with the ship now but also touches on that historical aspect of how did this cruise pause compared to previous ones and that sort of thing so that's um that's where we're at with that. And just a reminder to anybody that may be listening on board Queen Elizabeth, your book is in the bookshop. It is. It <laughs> is on board. So um, hopefully we can we can see if some people have been able to, to grab some pictures of it in yes. the bookshelves there. And <laughs> if they have, send it through to the Big Cruise Podcast and Baz will send them to me. I'll be very Absolutely. excited to see it. Yeah, no, we will, of course. Um, Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you again. And uh, we'll be back same time next week with more maritime history and more cruise news. Thank you, Baz. Take care, everyone. Hello, it's me again. Just a quick reminder. Um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are 
then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode thanks in advance that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.